Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Oh, where to start on spoiler well, discussion? I mean, sure. Chewbacca being a woman. <laughs> I mean, who saw that coming? Like in the crying game, yeah. Yeah. But in reverse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Failed Critics Star Wars Episode 7 The Force Awakens special episode. I'm Steve Norman, joined by Paul Field. Evening, Steve. And Paul's mate, Dave Valentine, who is a fan of Star Wars and a fan of the Failed Critics podcast. Big fan of both, yes. First, first time on the podcast, Paul's roped you in. We found it really difficult, didn't we, to, to find a, an extra person for this, didn't we, Paul? I know, I was like... They'll, they'll be banging the doors down for this one. When yeah. I saw the itinerary come out months ago from Owen, I was like, Star Wars, put me down for Star we'll Wars. Be, Got to do stuff. We'll be, you know, we'll be and turning I was people pretty, away. Yeah, and then I had to get in Chris Packet Dave. <laughs> Thanks for the Chris Packet reference, mate. I've much appreciated. Yes, this is my first Fail Critics podcast, and it's my first ever podcast of any kind. So a little bit nervous, but should be fine. Good. Obviously, for this episode, we'll be going through... Star Wars The Force Awakens, Star Wars in general. We're doing a spoiler alert for the film at the end. We'll warn you when that's coming up. But for the majority of this podcast, if you haven't seen the film, it won't make a blind bit of difference. Um, it'll just be a kind of 10-minute bit at the end. Paul's going to start us off with a quiz that he's prepared. I have indeed. Well, you say prepared. I've knocked it up quickly, much you know, taking your lead on quizzes, Steve. Um, OK, what it is, it's a little bit of nostalgia here. Going back to the, the 70s when the original Star Wars film first came out. Or the out. 90s for me. I wasn't alive in the 70s. It, it doesn't really make an awful lot of difference for the purpose of this quiz. So the first question is, when Star Wars kind of went on general release in February 1978 in the UK, how much was an adult ticket to get in? Dave? 1978 adult ticket for Star Wars. Were you, st- were you still doing shillings? back then no it was decimal right. decimal but half pennies were still around but let's assume it wasn't a half so, penny so, so it wasn't 2d or whatever it no no it's it's modern money steve so okay my guess is let's say 80 pence that's exactly what i was pence. gonna go for oh. 
I'm gonna I'll I'll go I'll go lower and go seventy pence then. Okay, cool. The next one, a uh, three and three quarter inch Darth Vader plastic figure, which you would have Dave might remember, mm-hmm. Steve you may not. In 1978, if you still have one of those in the packaging, how much would it be worth now? Dave? Oh, so original packaging, Darth Vader. Well, presumably there would have been a lot of the Darth Vaders because he's obviously a major character. So let's go £130. Steve? Two grand. Okay. Similar vein here. There was another figure that came out in 1978, which was a Jawa. But the, the manufacturers were really worried that because it was quite small, that people would feel cheated. And so they changed, it had a little vinyl cape around it, and they changed it to a cloth one. But the originals with the vinyl cape, how much are they worth now? Mint in the box. Oh, there'd be some real geeks paying massive money for the. I say geeks in a defensive one, a Star Wars podcast. I've probably lost half the listeners already. <laughs> yeah, they've gone, they've switched <laughs> yeah. off. I meant it as a term of endearment, but, no, but one of you is probably paying a load of money for something like that. <laughs> Go on. I'm, I'm going to say six grand. Dave? Um, let's go 300. Okay. Right. The Star Wars theme tune was released on seven-inch single towards the latter part of 1977. What was its highest chart position? I'm going to guess it didn't make the top 40. So let's go. It got to position number 57. Steve? I'm going to say it did make the top 40. At number 28. Cool. Have you got the single, Paul? I don't, um, but you probably did, because you just bought a box of thousand. <laughs> it could be in there. The ET theme's definitely in there. <laughs> okay. Salaries. During the original film, when they negotiated their contracts, some of them took some money, some of them took percentages and some money, but uh, top of the pops was Alec Guinness, who, who negotiated, I think it was just over 2%. By the year 2000, how much had Alec Guinness earned from Star Wars? Thing was, he hated it as well, didn't he? Yep, absolutely hated it. Pounds, pounds in pounds. Isn't, isn't there some anecdote where some kid said to him, "Oh, can I have your autograph? I've seen it like two hundred times." He said, "You can have my autograph and never watch it again." <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, he must have made a right. It must be millions. If two percent of is it, if it's, is it merchandising as well? I'm not sure. It's just a profits from the film. Must be merchandising as well. I'm going to say, and I think this is possibly even being a bit conservative, ten million pounds. Okay, I'm, Dave? I'm going to go. Yeah, I'm going to go more on that because it obviously made a huge amount. And let's go thirty-five million pounds. And Warwick Davis, when he was working on uh, Return of the Jedi, was paid a daily rate. How much did they pay Warwick Davis per day to be in Return of the Jedi? He, he was a kid, wasn't he? I reckon about a fiver. No, yet yeah. no, this is eighty-three, so fiver still probably quite a lot. Two pound. <laughs> okay. Two pound a day. Uh, I reckon he got. Yeah, I reckon he got a little bit more than that. Let's go uh, twenty-five quid a day. Okay, that's the that's the questions over. It is a tie break, but I mean, we may not need that. Do you want to hear the answers? Go on then. Okay, so in 1978, a ticket for Star Wars 
was 93p. So it's a point for Dave. If I'd have answered first, I would have won. You went the wrong way, yeah. Yeah. Just, I actually looked to see what that figure is adjusted for inflation, because you said you're rubbish at this uh, a moment ago, Steve. How much in, in, in today's money do you think that is? Well, put it this way, how much did you pay to see Star Wars last night, Dave? I paid 11 quid, which wasn't too bad, actually. Steve, I, how much did you I pay? I paid 7.95, that was for 2D, two di- okay, only and two and dimensions. Paid, and I paid 16 for IMAX, and uh, 93 pence in 1978 is only a fiver today. That's pretty good. So, well, no, good for them, bad for us, because it means we're paying a lot more yeah. for films than... And I bet the adverts were better in the 70s as well. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Trailers. Pearl and yes. A three and three quarter inch Darth Vader figure in 1978. Steve, you said two grand. It's two grand. Oh, I was way off. Yeah, Spot I told, on. I told you, these geeks will pay a lot for tat. A 1978 Jawa with the, uh, with the vinyl cape rather than the, the cloth one. You said 300 quid, Dave? I think so, yeah. How much did you say, Steve? Six grand? Yeah. It was 12 grand. Jesus. You, Steve. See, this stuff that Brooke is sending, I think, coming out of the box. <laughs> right. Star Wars theme tune. 1977. It reached number seven mm. in October 1977. Point for Steve. Surprising. Um, Alec Guinness. How much did he make? Well, by the year 2000, he'd picked up £56 million. Pounds. Dave, point for you. And... Oh, no. <laughs> Warwick Davis in Jedi. He earned 60 quid a day. Dave. Oh, okay. So, yeah. we do need a tie break because it's three all. I was going to say it's a, it's a nice little earner, but that could sound um, disparaging towards Warwick. <laughs> I don't think he, he probably would have come on this podcast if we'd invited him and chucked him a tenner. <laughs> Um, unlike Owen, I have prepared a tiebreak. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Of the Star Wars films, which was the highest grossing lifetime at the box office and how much? Are we, again, are we taking inflation into, into account? Here? No. Okay. Uh, uh, Phantom Menace. Okay. Steve? I'm going to say Revenge of the Sith. And uh, do you want to have a stab at an amount? No. Phantom Menace took, say... 750 million. Okay. I'd say Sith took 822 million. Okay, well, the answer is it was indeed the Phantom Menace Day oh. with takings of 1 billion. Oh, that's quite a lot, isn't it? <laughs> it is. That was a good one, actually. That was a really close quiz. Close. Unlucky there, Steve. Yeah, it was a good quiz. I'm upset to have lost. I always am. But at least this doesn't put Owen one step closer to making me watch Columbo. <laughs> one of my favourite shows of all time there Steve although he, or although he <laughs> might try and claim a point for it do you recall like a bit of a Star Wars drought in the mid 90s maybe I just grew out of it but it just didn't seem to be that Sort of reference between about 91 to about 97 when they came back again. Yeah, maybe it was out. I mean, it's out of sight, out of mind, isn't but it? The thing, the one thing that really spurred it back on was I 
uh, clerks. I think oh, they yeah, really yeah. brought it back to a certain generation that may have forgotten about it getting into, you know. When they talk about the contractors. Exactly. You know, like, yeah. You know, how unfair it was, like killing yeah. these poor guys who are just on there trying to earn a living. Yeah. And it's, a bit, it's, a, it's a bit of a classic stoner conversation. And didn't they have a similar conversation in Human Traffic as well about, about Star Wars and how the Jedi is all about exploring inner space and the Empire is about exploring outer space? And one of those passing a joint back and forth kind of conversations. I'm too young to have remembered the 1977, you know, original release. I saw them for the first time in the cinema, the 20th anniversary re-released in 97, which I suppose cynically looking at it now was just gearing George Lucas up to show the prequels and not just a, a really nice, well, 20 years since Star Wars. That was a big thing. Let's re-release them, remaster them and put them in the cinema again. So let's get these out and make some money on the new ones we're doing. Yeah, I mean, for me, I mean, I've... I'm pretty sure I'm the only one here who was around when they first came out. And I actually looked this up just to, to make sure when it came out, because I just didn't believe that I was seeing this in 1977. And I wasn't because although it came out in 77, it was in 12 cinemas in London. And then it expanded after that. There was like a 12 week gap where it went to a few more cities. And it wasn't until um, February 1978 that it went on general release. Yeah. And I lived in in the uh, the main high street in in hastings called queen's road which coincidentally was where the cinema was and i watched it again and again and again uh, i watched it on its second run i watched it on its first run in the flea pit which is another cinema but the, the scary thing is back in 1978 when you went to the cinema you didn't just see the film you paid to see it had a supporting feature and star wars was quite long and some days i would especially when i went to the orion when it finished, I would go into the loo, hide, and then come back in for the next showing. But you're talking a good four hours chunk of your time. And to see it twice meant you were, you know, like, I'd leave home and be gone for eight hours at the age of eight. Which I know sounds crazy now, but I could tell you on one occasion, I think I might mention this on the podcast before, when, because um, you couldn't book, you had to queue up. And... You know, my parents didn't care. We lived so close to the cinema, it wasn't really an issue. But queued up for Star Wars, couldn't get in. And in screen two, they had The Spy Who Loved Me on a rerun. And I tapped a a stranger on the arm and said, can you take me in? Because this was a certificate A and you had to have an adult with you. If my kids came back to me now when they were like that age and said, you know, they'd asked a strange man to take them into the cinema, I'd have had a bloody heart attack. But back then, you know, we didn't have the kind of pedo-geddon kind of mentality that everyone was out to to molest your kids and you could actually talk to a stranger. Well, you still can, but like you say, it is just that scaremongering that we get. Mm. Yeah. But well, away away from paedophiles and onto Star Wars, I mean, (laughs) I don't think I'd... Obviously... Paul wouldn't have done because you saw them when they first released, but I don't think I saw them on television. They might well have been on television, but I can't remember seeing them on television. I remember 97 or 98, whichever, I think 97, going to the cinema with my dad and he uh, taking me to see The New Hope. I think you're right. I don't remember them being shown on TV much at all between the mid-80s and the the late-90s, really. Maybe it was a copyright thing or maybe he was holding them back knowing that he'd make more money if he released them at the cinema again. But, you know, and, and, and going in, I don't know what everyone's initial thoughts of the films were. I assume <clears throat> good, at least. But, you know, I'd seen big-budget films. I'd seen Jurassic Park. I can't... I think Jurassic Park was 
out before the re-release. I'd seen, you know, Jaws. I'd seen big budget, big production films. But this just blew me away from the start. You know, you had a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, the opening crawl, which I'd never seen anything like. It was just writing on a screen, but I'd never seen anything like it before. And then you get the little spaceship that Princess Leia's on being chased by this huge Star Destroyer. It just takes ages to come across the whole screen. You just think, this is brilliant. Dave, when did you first see well, them then? Because you must be in the middle of that. I, I pretty much am, yeah. I mean, I, I'm born in 1978, so I obviously don't remember it being released the first time around. I don't remember Empire, but I do remember going to see Return of the Jedi when I was about four. And I, I've got such a vivid memory because I'm. Pr- they showed all three when they released Jedi uh, in my local cinema in Bexhill. But because I'd already seen episode four loads of times on VHS, my dad took me just to see Empire Strikes Back and then Return of the Jedi. And it's only just occurred to me listening to you two talk. I've never seen Star Wars, the proper one, on the big screen. I th- I've seen all of the others apart from um, A New Hope. That's only just occurred to me. But so I've, it's always been there for me, Star Wars. My dad loved it. He'd seen it when it came out in 78. And he was a big kid as well. So he, he reveled in buying all the toys and the, the books and everything. Now, going back to what you were saying just now about inflation, my dad in 1982 paid 50 quid for a VHS of Star Wars, Whoa. which is about 350, 400 quid now. It, it, yeah, it was ridiculous. But, but, was, but were you both like me when you, when you see. And you hope if that's the one you sought for you, that opening thing, you just straight away, wow, I'm sold. I'm in. You've got to remember, back in 1978, I. When you didn't even I'd have the see, wheel. No, I. It was, you know, it, that probably cost me 20 pence to get in, something like that. It was ridiculously cheap. I lived locally, I could see it again and again. And it around that time, I'd seen. I, my parents used to take me all the time, so I'd seen, I think I'd seen the Tower Inferno. Jaws, uh, you know, so there, there weren't like, a massive amount of, of, of films that were, were kind of special effects driven. I think mo- some Harryhausen stuff, like Sinbad and the Eye of the Tiger and yeah. things like that, and you know, Jason the Argonauts. To go in and see Star Wars, which was, there'd been nothing like it before. Nothing. And I, it completely blew me away. There hadn't even been much like it when it was re-released in, in 97. I mean, obviously there had been you got space film like uh, uh, Alien and and Blade Runner and things like that on a big scale, but there still hadn't been a lot like it. I don't think like big space films because th- things yeah. like there was a lot of science fiction. But you're absolutely right; most of it took place either on Earth or or close by. Yeah, or, or, really... you, or you say it's on a planet, but it's still effectively just contained yes. to a planet. Exactly. Yeah, I, I remember seeing the first Star Trek film at the same cinema and not understanding it. Um, I remember seeing the Black Hole. That must have been around that time. Well, that was the first. That was the, one of the first of those many Star Wars ripoffs. It was the Black Hole. Then you had um, Battle Beyond the Stars. Yeah. Um, Battlestar Galactica on the television. And I mean, not that we probably cared about it as kids watching them when they came out, but the sound and the effects that they did it kind of really mm. helped cinema do that kind of thing they were they were building sets for huge spaceships and planets and everything and the sound and the special effects technology they brought through on star wars i mean as much as george lucas the writer for the prequels he's done a lot for cinema in terms of really pushing those kind of things of like industrial light and magic and and all that kind of stuff yeah i mean you can't underestimate the use of the word game changer because it changed 
everything. It changed my expectations of, of going to the cinema. I remember, I think I saw Superman 2 in 1978 that summer. And, and compared to Star Wars, oh, I wasn't that impressed. But, but, I mean, going back to Star Wars, the films themselves, they're just fun, weren't they? They were just... Yeah. I mean, a lot of people and a lot of lists of best films of all time feature Star Wars. If, if you're being objective, they're not the best films of all time. You could weigh them up against something like The Godfather or or something or a sight and sound list list of pretentious top ten films, you know, the direction and all that kind of stuff. But they're just brilliant, aren't they? They're just they are, mate. They're, they're pure, unadulterated fun. I grew up with them. I love them, and, I, and people who get sort of snarky and sniffy about them, they can just go fuck themselves. I'm not. You know. I, th- I think it was on one of the, the the bonus DVDs when they first came out on DVD. And it's got interviews of all the people involved. Mark Hamill's like, "What's there not to like? You've got you know Jedi, so basically kind of of these these warriors. You've got princesses. You've got fighting droids. You've got aliens. You've got space and." spaceships and everything what's not to like yeah, it's just it's no. just classic old-fashioned storytelling it's yeah. just got, it's got elements of everything it's yeah. it's a it's a it's a fantasy film it's, it's it's sci-fi but it's as much a fantasy film as something like perhaps I, lord of the rings i've always maintained that it's a fantasy film rather than science fiction because it is because it is so fantastical and set so far away there's nothing nothing related to earth about it at all were you guys kind of like me up until about puberty you want to be luke skywalker and then you suddenly start noticing girls and want to be han solo instead (laughs) (laughs) what of of the original trilogy what's your what's your favorite then steve it's it's got to be empire isn't it empire strikes back dave Uh, i would say empire strikes back is the better of the films but my favorite is still star wars for many reasons, but I really like Peter Cushing and Alec Guinness in it, and they're just so fantastic. Peter Cushing is a, is a great kind of bad guy villain. Yeah, and it's oh. it, it's a shame we didn't get to see more of him, even though I kind of think his role was done after the first one. Well, I got got some thoughts on that about the Force Awakens as well. So have I. <laughs> so have I because his his. Effectively, is replacement. I think I know who we're talking he about. Yeah. Good. <laughs> well, we'll, uh, we'll come on to that later. Um, but I think best space battle easily: Return of Jedi taking down a second Death Star. Uh, astounding. That was just just to see that. I mean, yeah. I know we'd had take the, the, the battle on the first Death Star. Didn't really have a space battle in Empire Strikes Back. Um, we had the Battle of Hoth, which is actually quite good. But that the scope and scale of that second Death Star battle with the Star Destroyers and all the Alliance ships in the middle and the trap and I wasn't an impression, that's me just saying trap, but you know, just just that whole thing and then flying into the Death Star and oh, it was just That for me And, and then at the same time you've got Luke and Vader and the Emperor on the Death Star itself with that fight between the three of them and it's just... It was the, the trouble with Jedi, and although I did, I did, I loved it at the time, I was 13, I thought it was awesome, but in hindsight, those bloody Ewoks... Well, they, well, the, they, the, they... the thing about the Ewoks was, apparently they wanted that to be the planet, Chewbacca's planet, the planet with the Wookiees, mm-hmm. whatever they were going to call it at the time, I don't know, they were going to call it the same as what they called it in the, in the end, but for some reason, production-wise, it was too expensive for them to do it with Wookiees, I think, I might be completely wrong on this, but I'm sure I've read that the intention was it was going to be the Wookiee's home planet. And that would have been a lot better because they look cool. 
I've heard that as well, actually. And also, I, I suppose I suppose a Wookiee's costume costs three times much than what an Ewoks does. Yeah, but you know that rather than little cuddly teddy bears running about, you've got like two hundred Chewbacca's running around. Here's a, here's a quick one. Do you know who directed Jedi? Richard Marquand. Yeah. Oh, Dave knows. Did you know Steve? No. No, because I was I was just looking up who directed. You know, Irvin Kershner did the second one, but the third one I couldn't remember. And then I looked him up. And he, he died. He died yeah. really young, didn't he? But he did a load of two afterwards. He did Jagged Edge, the Jeff Bridges yep. film, if I remember correctly. And he hadn't. Uh, he did a film before Jedi, Eye of the Needle, which was quite an interesting espionage thing. But I thought. But how did he land the Star Wars? I gig? think Eye of the Needle was quite a big hit. And it's, but Irving Kirshner sort of came out of nowhere, didn't he? I think he'd had like a, a horror, low-budget horror film that did quite well. Very strange choices, but I guess back then, you know, who knows what the decision maker. Well, you know who was offered the role uh, of director for Jedi? No. Do you know Steve? No. And it would have been. Oh no! Was it, was it Spielberg? No, it's someone much weirder than that. It was uh, David Lynch. Oh, that, yeah. would been, uh, that would have been a different take on Star Wars. It certainly <laughs> would. I mean, when you think about the Jabba's palace, I mean, I think there are elements of Lynch in there because he then went on to do Dune instead, mm-hmm. and then you've got the big worms in that and you've got like the deserts of Tatooine so you know there, are, there is a connection there I mean, I mean going, going back to what we were talking about earlier about not seeing films on this scale before it was also kind of the first film to make space look used and normal every other film centred around space was everything's new and white and shiny and this came along and it was like well no in space you're going to have junkyards and criminals and back streets and undesirable places to go and things that don't work properly and all a bit dirty and grimy and and it just looked you know you go into the you go into Moss Eisley into the cantina it's like oh, that's that's brilliant it just, it just yeah do we have to talk about the prequels we're, we're gonna have to touch on them <laughs> do you know what I'm gonna confess up now I didn't mind them when they came out I, I, I had fun I was just so glad to go back and visit Star Wars again they could have served me up anything to well, be fair and, I, and they did I think, I think I can't remember seeing The Phantom Menace at the cinema but I remember going to see Attack of the Clones with with friends um, and I remember not liking it straight away and I can't remember seeing Revenge of the Sith at the cinema but I'm sure I did I, I genuinely can't remember what my reaction to that one was I think Revenge of the Sith I can tolerate uh, and, and yeah. would probably like a lot more if it was a different person playing Anakin what did you think, Dave? Did you like them? Same as you. I did like them at the time because you're just blown away by seeing it all back and hearing those sound effects again. You just didn't have time to consider the plot. And it was clear there were problems, like the casting of both Anakins, actually. And I knew from the trailer from 1998, like a year before Phantom Menace came out, that Jar Jar Binks was going to be an issue. He, it was clear he was going to be annoying. So, yeah, I, I really enjoyed them first time round. But then watching them back again and again, it just fell apart. And now I, I just dislike them equally. I mean, there's there's lots of problems with them. The acting from some of the characters, uh, the dialogue, the plot. But I'll go back to this point that I've made for years about Star Wars, and people probably have heard me on this podcast mention it. If you listen, look, read the opening crawl. I read them both for A New Hope and A Phantom Menace in my boring monotone voice. And you can tell me which one sounds more exciting. So New Hope is it is a period of civil war. Rebel spaceships striking from a hidden base have won their first victory against the evil Galactic Empire. 
During the battle, rebel spies managed to steal secret plans to the Empire's ultimate weapon, the Death Star, an armoured space station with enough power to destroy an entire planet. Pursued by the Empire's sinister agents, Princess Leia races home aboard her starship, custodian of the stolen plans that can save her people and restore freedom to the galaxy. Phantom Menace... <laughs> right. Turmoil has involved, engulfed the Galactic Republic. The taxation of trade routes to outlying star systems is in dispute. Oh. Hoping to resolve the matter with a blockade of deadly battleships, the Greedy Trade Federation has stopped all shipping to the small planet of Naboo. While Congress of the Republic endlessly debates the alarming chain of events, the Supreme Chancellor has secretly dispatched two Jedi Knights to Guardians of Peace and Justice in the Galaxy to settle the conflict. So, on one, you've got Death Star. Evil Empire, Princess, Stolen Plans, Ultimate Weapon, and in the other one you've got Taxation of Trade Routes, yeah. Trade Federation, yes. and Endlessly Debates. That's, yeah. that's, that's, was, therein lies the rub. And it was for a, a kid's movie. Yeah. I, I remember taking Leo to this, uh, um, and uh, yeah, he, I, he enjoyed it, but I don't think he understood I it. Th- I think there's a lot for little kids who maybe don't follow a plot the whole way to enjoy the pod race is actually cool to watch. I mean, I don't know how it holds up special effects-wise, but certainly that was cool to watch. The lightsaber battle between Darth Maul, Obi-Wan, and Qui-Gon was actually quite good. I think Qui-Gon's quite an interesting character who who perhaps either you should have made Obi-Wan that character, the character, the person who is, although a Jedi and a very good Jedi, at conflict with the Council, can't get onto the Council because he doesn't share their views all the time. I thought that was an interesting concept, just done badly. I was thrilled when they announced Liam Neeson was going to be in Star Wars because I was... Loved Liam Neeson in the, in the 90s. But when it came out, I found him, unfortunately, quite a dull character. I thought yeah. they could have... You're right, they, they could have just amalgamated him with Obi-Wan and just had the one character. I, 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 yeah, don't I know. Just thought, I just thought it was quite an interesting idea that you've got this person who is a, a very well-respected Jedi, but the Council don't respect him because he's at odds with them. He doesn't, he's, not, he's not evil by any means. He's not tapped into the dark side, but he... He challenges what the Jedi think, what the Jedi perceive about certain things. That's why he can't get onto the Council. But that's why, you know, he's it's it's a good it's an interesting idea. It's just I think they should have made Obi Wan that character from the start because you can kind of see that thing about him when you kind of see him in A New Hope and as a ghost in the other films. What did you think about the change from Yoda being a, 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 a you know a clearly obvious puppet in a cave? to this sort of kick-ass Jedi doing, you know, spinning around with a lightsaber. I think it looked ridiculous, but you would kind of, you know, in in the in the original films, in, in Empire Strikes Back or whatever, Luke is told to go and find... He, he, you know, he, said, he, he says to Yoda, I'm looking for a great warrior. So from that, even though Yoda says, oh, war's not making one great, you, you expect him to have been in battles. So expect him to fight. He's a small little creature... He's going to probably fight like that with a lightsaber. It logist- logically, it makes sense. It just looks stupid. But logically, <laughs> logically, it makes sense to me. But it just, it just looked awful. You're absolutely right. It did look awful. But I did come out of Attack of the Clones quite exhilarated by that final 20 minutes with all the clones fighting and Christopher Lee fighting Yoda. But comparing the two of them, Empire Strikes Back, the the puppetry that went into Yoda and the lighting and everything about it is stunning and way better than anything in the prequels. There's just something so magical and real about Yoda in Empire that they just couldn't recapture again. No, no which is why it's a good way that for, I know a lot of it was CGI, but 
in in a Force Awakens, but he went to back to making sets and making models and things like that, and, it, and films are better for it. Did you was the trailer before Star Wars for you Warcraft? Yeah, that looked terrible. No, oh, no, I had God. I had Civil War. Didn't have Dawn of Justice, which was far Civil War. That new comedy with Mike Wahlberg and Will Ferrell, and I can't remember the other one. That. I had um, Independence Day two. No, I didn't get that. And uh, the Batman Superman movie. Blimey. Okay, yeah. Well, we had Warcraft, and it and it was in three D the trailer, and it looks terrible. Yeah, it doesn't look good. Time now for our review of Star Wars Episode Seven: The Force Awakens. Um, this bit will be the non-spoiled review. We'll go on to spoilers later. Again, we'll warn you when that's coming up. So yes, this was was Star Wars: The Force Awakens Episode Seven, coming out. How many years was it after Jedi's re-release? Uh, I mean, it's, it's, oh, it's, it's I set. I don't count it as you know. Jedi was eighty-three, so I've counted you know. 32 years waiting for a sequel and it, for and me. And it's set 30 years after the events of Jedi-ish. I mean, space years probably work out different to ours. Uh, <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> space but, years. Yeah. Um, it, it's directed by J.J. Abrams. It brings back the old cast. You've got uh, Harrison Ford's Han Solo, you've got Princess Leia, Luke Skywalker, R2-D2, C-3PO. They're all back, joined by a, a new cast, uh, a lot of them relative unknowns. What do we think of the film in general? I, I loved it. I think I, I said in my review that's gone onto the Fail Critics website, it, it's certainly by far and away better than any of the prequels, and it might even be on par, if not better, than Return of the Jedi. I'd agree with that. I mean, I, I had a lot of fun with it. Before we get into it, I, I'm curious, where did you all see it? How did you see it? What, what, was, the, uh, what was the kind of the experience like? I, I saw it with my eyes, Paul. I, were, you, were you in a two D flea pit? I was in a two D, uh, not flea pit though. Two, but two D. I just don't. Unless a film specifically made for three D, I won't pay to see it in three D. If I had an IMAX anywhere near me, I may well have gone to an IMAX to watch it. Um, the the screen was packed. I live in a small town in Dorset, and the town I went to watch it in was just slightly bigger, about ten minutes away. I went at half past midnight. They had four screenings at one minute past midnight. Another four at half past midnight and from what i could see they're all full i've been to a couple of midnight releases before it's not something i tend to do doing a film podcast sometimes i've had to for a big release to kind of fit it in so i've had other stuff on so i've done it for the dark knight rises and done it for prometheus and for those the audiences were were by and large pretty much the same kind of person without stereotyping anyone they were nerds either film nerds or comic book nerd whatever Star Wars, even for a midnight, half past midnight release, it was just a mixed audience. You had young people there who were too young probably to even seen the 20th anniversary and maybe even the first couple of prequels when they were released in the cinema. Um, you had you know, older people who were probably what my age is now when the originals came out in 77. It had fam, not families with young kids, but you know, you had people who were obviously there with their, their parents, older people there with their parents, their groups of friends, people on their own. Whatever, and it was just it was just a it was a really good atmosphere at a cinema. I've never been to a cinema screening like it that I can remember. And I was kind of a little bit anxious up for going in because I thought I just thought, what if this is shit? <laughs> From all the trailers and all and all the talk around it, and then obviously they had the LA premiere the day before. I didn't read anything that spoilt it, but there was there was a lot of talk. Oh, it's good, it's good, it's good. 
But it's just sitting there, sitting there 10 minutes before even the adverts come on, the lights go down, thinking, yeah, what if this is shit? Because this would have been a completely different podcast if it was bad, wouldn't it? None of us really would have wanted to do it. No. I mean, there was a I mean, I mean the, the quiz and the bit we've just done, the, the part before this, none of us would have really wanted to do it, would we? <laughs> no. <laughs> we would just have been, been like, oh, oh, why are we doing this? Why are we giving up our evening to do this? <laughs> oh, for God's sake. Well, I went over to, um, headed over to Crawley, which is about an hour and ten minutes drive Creepy to their Crawley. IMAX, yeah. There is huge, their screening there. And I know I always slate Cineworld, but the, the Cineworld in Crawley is amazing. The, the screen, the audio, it was perfect. Really good crowd like yours. Lots of people dressed up. Lots of lightsabers hanging around. There's a bloke dressed as a Wookiee, for God's sake. Full on, the whole thing. Like, you know, only like Obviously, there was only two women in there, and all of the rest of them stared at them the whole night. Um, but, <laughs> but no, it was. It was a really good crowd. And um, yeah, really, really um, real proper buzz about the place. Dave, I know you saw it yes. at the cinema that I saw the original... 40 years ago or whatever. Correct, yeah. I walked two minutes from my flat at midnight last night to the cinema just around the corner and there was a queue and there was also someone dressed up as uh, Rilo Ken. No, is that his name? Kylo Ren. Kylo yeah. Ren. <laughs> I did the Stanley Unwin version. So there was someone <laughs> someone dressed up as him outside uh, but they were they hadn't pre-booked. So I went in, I'd already bought my ticket. I saw it in 2D on a decent enough screen. Uh, the audience wasn't as mixed as what you experienced steve yeah i think maybe the oldest person there was maybe mid 40s and the youngest was probably 18 19 something and, like that. and i'd also like to say not that any of them are probably listening a very well behaved audience no phones out no talking no nonsense the worst audience i've ever been in for a, for a cinema screening um was when i went to see the the Les Mis that came out a few years ago with Hugh Jackman and Russell Crowe because there were not only was it a, a, a quiet day at the cinema, it was a sit anywhere job. Like most of the time, you go to cinema, you book a specific seat, but it was a quiet middle of the day sit anywhere job. Someone comes and sits right next to me, which is just annoying at the start with. I don't know, and why are you doing that? And then people were singing along. Oh, <laughs> oh, and God. I. I, if if it wasn't more than one, if it was if it was only one person singing along, I would have said something. But more than one person was, and I couldn't be bothered to get into a row. But I just, I looked around at these people and thought, just shut up. I want to watch the film. Well, funnily enough, Steve, I was about to say yes, totally agreed. Last night, even though I had some reservations, when I first got there, I sat in one seat. I think Paul might know what I'm about to say. Yeah. And within about a minute, I had to get up and move because there were three or four grown men in front of me. And they were all doing a Yoda off. They were trying to outdo each other with their best Yoda impressions. And not only that, they had the cheesiest feet I've ever smelled. So I (laughs) could not stay in that part of the cinema. (laughs) And there there in a nutshell, Dave, is why I didn't book to go and see it at my childhood cinema. (laughs) So I I moved and found somewhere much nicer. But yet, once the uh, film started, everyone was impeccably behaved. I had a couple of people taking oh, no strictly speaking they shouldn't have done but it's not really a big deal taking photos for instagram whatever of the, the title card not even a long time ago and again you know where it comes oh, up with the Star Wars. yeah that yeah just taking a picture of that quickly and that was fine with me because it's such a big event and you know people live yeah on the that, that's social that's but, you know, yeah i even, but, I even um, applauded when star wars came up and i never thought i'd do that but I just, I just felt, you know, when a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, I just like 
it's actually happening. Yeah, it's been waiting so long for a good new Star Wars film, and this better be it. And I kind of had faith in J.J. Abrams because he'd, he'd rebooted Star Trek, in my opinion, well. I know um, Into Darkness or Wrath of Khan 2 wasn't exactly well received, but the, the first one, and the first of the, his Star Trek films, I thought was quite good. And he, had, I don't, I think he admittedly, he might not be a Star Trek fan, but he's admittedly a Star Wars fan. And Star Wars is a completely different beast to Star Trek, and probably lends itself more to 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 cinema. Whereas Star Trek is obviously a, a TV series at heart. So I kind of had faith that he'd do this. He also brought in Lawrence uh, Kasdan, who wrote Empire Strikes Back, or co-wrote Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi, and, and Raiders of the Lost Ark. So he knows these kind of films, and that was a clever move on his part. And when I know they were kind of together, I thought, right, well, that gives me a lot of faith in this. Yeah, J.J. Uh, Abrams, I think, was always a great choice, even though I didn't particularly like... I didn't notice any I didn't notice any lens flare. I, I, I agree. You know I thought that afterwards, yeah. <laughs> I did, I was, do you know what? I was so engrossed in the film, I actually forgot to look yeah. for the lens flare, and I didn't see any. Bastard. I was I just ruined my review now. <laughs> <laughs> but he is very good at capturing that sort of nostalgia. And I take it you've both yeah. seen Super 8. Yes. Yes. Which, which wasn't that just the, the perfect combination of all those movies made in the early 80s yeah. about suburbia. And he did it so well. And so with all that in mind, he was very good. And also he's very good at just adapting himself to these pre-existing franchises like Mission Impossible and Star Trek. He's just very good at taking the, an existing thing and safe hands yeah yes but this but but this was you know this hit, it's hit every note it hit the right amount of action it hit the right amount of um darkness humor everything it looked it looked good it looked like the originals it, that yeah. horrible nasty digital mm. um glare from the from the prequels gone this looked exactly like it did back in you know 78 it was just yeah i it's just impressed straight away. If we go on to the the actors and the performances briefly, obviously we know what uh, Harrison Ford and and Carrie Fisher are going to bring to the table, and they bought it, and they were good. This isn't a spoiler. Say Harrison Ford was in it more than the other two, along with Chewie. Um, he and, gets to do a lot. Of, yeah. He gets to do a lot of lifting yeah. in this, didn't he? He was good though, wasn't he? I thought Harrison he, Ford was excellent. Very was, funny, very sprightly. He he was his typical. Han Solo roguish self, but serious when he needed to be as well. You know, with the, the, a bit of, I mean, you're not going to get a great deal of amount of gravitas from a Star Wars film, but you know, as much gravitas as, as a scene demanded when he needed to. But lots of humour, lots of just, you know, Han Solo the smuggler, the rogue, the the one, the person everyone wants to be. Do you not feel a slight sense of regret though that they've left it this long, because? But, he... If he'd been a little bit younger, they could have had a little bit more fun but, with these if, guys. But if, Their but age was, clearly the thing a is, If he was a little bit younger, he might have had a midlife crisis, Han Solo, and that might not have been fun. <laughs> yeah, a millennial yeah. falcon with faster stripes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Playing hip Traded Chewie in for a younger model or something. Yeah. <laughs> sort of a 20-year-old Wookiee sat next to him. What did you think Kerry Fisher? What was she... going on with her accent? Because I, I, I know her accent did change in those first three, because she did start off as an, like a British English princess, and her mm. American accent did come in into the other two. Well, that comes one, with, the accent must come with a rank. Now that she's a general, she has to talk. Yeah, she's not, it's not a princess anymore. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but the weird thing is, in real life, she looks more like Leia 
than she did in the film with all the makeup and stuff on her hair. <laughs> she kept throw, it kept pulling me out of the film slightly. I'm thinking, wait, what? She, no, she doesn't quite. She did just didn't look mm-hmm. right. I suppose we'll work through the the other kind of main central performances. I think we'll leave Ray and Finn to last because because yes. they're kind of the they're the ones with the least acting chops to say going into this. So we'll, we'll leave them to last. If we take a, a quick look at Poe Dameron, played by Oscar Isaac, I, I, I thought right. he was good. I wanted to see more of him, if anything. I think he, we will. He, he, he is, he is the, the, the new Han Solo, basically, isn't he? The, the yeah. charming, funny, witty, good-looking... He, he's good-looking boy, isn't he? He's got, he's got like an 80s action-style look about him, hasn't he? Got a bit of a, like in that film anyway. I know in Ex Machina he had no hair and a big beard, but in this one he's got like, you know, he's got a bit of a Kurt Russell look about him, I suppose. And he just looks the part. Just, oh, that's why. Do you know what? I can remember what he's from now. Now I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ex Machina. Just, he just looks like that part. He just looks right for that role as an action hero. Uh, and he, yeah, he was he was brilliant. I wanted to see more of him. Well, aren't there two actors in this who are in Ex Machina? I haven't seen it. Yes, uh, yes, yes. Tom Paul Gleason, who was who played Hux. Yes, yeah. Um, the kind yeah. of this this film has so many parallels with A New Hope, mm. and not it's not a bad thing at all. But he was the kind of I suppose the, the, the Harkin of this film. Yeah, yes. Mm. You see, here's the here's a slight kicker for me, right? When you watched Star Wars, yeah. right? At any point. Did you think that you could go up to Moff Tarkin and nick his dinner money? <laughs> well, he was quite an old man, but, <laughs> but no. But you, he, he, he was he was a very sinister. You know, yeah. he, he was Correct. played X. But I, I, th- oh, I think but... there's a difference here, though. That, that <laughs> you see where I'm I, going I know with where this. You're going. He didn't. He didn't. <laughs> he didn't seem that intimidating. But I don't think he was. I always. I think he was meant to be a bit snivelling. And a bit. Oh, really? I see. I didn't. That I, was the, the the baddies for me as a whole. I wasn't. You know, the, all of the 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 the, um, the the good guys were great, and I thought the other side of the fence they were well, all pretty terrible. Well, let's go on to, to, to Kylo Ren, then played by Adam Driver. Who's oh, can in... I just say about Donald Gleeson? I actually yeah. thought I thought he was great. I thought his I thought I thought he was great okay. in the role. I thought the character was great. I mean, there's no there's no depth to it. Obviously, it's very. It's hammy, but it was I, good hammy, and I, like, he, he, hmm. I think he just looks the part. There's like, may, may, maybe that kind of um, victim that you know bullying him. Maybe that's part of it. Maybe that's well. I think I think as well. He, did, he didn't seem to get a great deal of respect from his, his kind of subordinates mm. in the film, and I think I think that's deliberate. I don't think he's meant to be a, a Tarkin kind of character. He's meant to be a bit Weasley, a bit. Yeah, he's been put in charge because Snokes wants him in charge rather than him actually kind of deserving it or earning yeah. it. He, um, um, he kind of stropped off a couple of times, if I remember correctly. He kind yeah. of <laughs> turned his back mm. and then just walked off. But going on to the other kind of main villain, which was Kylo Ren, played by Adam Driver, I think he's done mainly TV work before, uh, a show called Girls that I've not seen or familiar with. Well, I've, I need to... I've got... Okay, I've watched girls and he's the most obnoxious self-absorbed twat on television um his character yeah. whether he's whether it's meant to be or not i, I he really is objectionable. If, if the character's meant to be like that though he's obviously acting well well yeah but he seemed to do exactly the same thing in this i thought he of of everything in the film he was the worst bit yeah. for me no no, no I, I thought he i thought he was good i don't think he's meant to be like um, Hux isn't meant to be like Tarkin. I don't think 
uh, Ren is meant to be like Vader or the Emperor. I think he's meant to be perhaps finding his his feet in in the dark side in his role of kind of of enforcer or, or whatever for for Snoke's and as, as the main bad guy. He's he's obviously can't really say too much because it might spoil it but he's obviously a conflicted character mm. i don't think he he's fully trained yet whereas when we first see darth vader he is fully trained i think anyone who's not anyone taking the girl's baggage into it with them will mm. struggle with i him. don't think you're meant to be intimidated by him in the in the way you are meant to be intimidated by darth vader i think you're meant to know that he's obviously he's subjected to the dark side i think you're meant to know that he's a bit maniacal and a bit mental and a bit unhinged, but I don't think you're ever meant to be really completely intimidated by him yet. I mean, I think that might develop in later films, but I don't think certainly at the moment you're meant to look at him in that way. I've got some thoughts about Adam Driver and his character, but I'd like to maybe mention it in the spoiler section. Okay. Um, so very quickly to round off the, the bad guys, the, the baddie, we'll go goodies and baddies. We'll go back to school on this. <laughs> but, yeah, the, the round off the baddies. Uh, Snokes, who we didn't have see any of in the trailers, but we, we knew he was in this. We knew he was going to be Kylo Ren's master, effective. We haven't got Sif in this. We've got the Knights of Ren. So Ren is, is like Darth, and Kylo is like Vader in terms of naming. We've got this, this bad guy, Snokes, who we know really nothing about except that he is pulling the strings or in charge of the First Order, which is what came out of the Empire. I thought he looked terrible as a, as a CGI character. I thought he looked ridiculous and, and awful. Well, I didn't know it was Andy Serkis, and I thought, why is Gollum the baddie of Star <laughs> yeah. Wars? I was like, oh! We'll, we'll go on now to, to the goodies. We'll go to, uh, to Ray and Finn, played by Daisy Ridley and John Boyega. They were just brilliant, weren't they? Considering that Daisy Ridley's not been in anything of note really before. John Bay has done Attack the Block and that's been it. And they come into... I know it's a, a theme with Star Wars because when the originals were released, the, the, the main three hadn't really been done much before. Hans, uh, Harrison Ford, Mark Hamill and Carrie Fish hadn't really been, been around a lot before. And they, and they came in and carried this franchise. But those two have done the same. Yeah. They've come in, taken to a big film, uh, the only thing that did great me with them, they got quite thick accents in this for some reason, and that did great on me a little bit to start with, but I kind of got over it. Um, but them, along with BB-8, were just were fantastic. And you just think you just uh, think they're going to carry this franchise now. There's no there's no yeah. concern about them doing it. It's not like well, they're not really quite good enough. They were all right. It's like no, they were both really good. They were both excellent. Yeah, I, I agree. I thought. I just blew me away. I thought they were both absolutely brilliant, and I just wanted to spend time with both of them. But, you know, I've got nothing to add to this. Totally agreed. Yeah, both very, very good performers. Looked great. Good chemistry between them. Yeah. If you've seen anything, to follow them on Instagram, just because you get a lot of Star Wars stuff on there, and the the two of them just seem to have become really good friends and get on really well and have a good laugh together off screen, and that is obviously translating on screen. It, it works. Do you know who Daisy Ridley's um, acting relation is? I found this out today. No. Probably before your time, Steve. It may not mean much to you, but Paul? Go on. Godfrey from Dad's Army. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Well, there's, there's where she's learned her acting chops, exactly. then, isn't it? <laughs> um, can we touch on... The, we've got to touch on the score. 
Whereas yeah. It's, yeah. It, for me, it was, it was good, but it wasn't. There wasn't like a, an iconic new bit of music for it. Like even in the Phantom Menace, he had Jewel of Fate, which was just uh, I don't want to say banging tune for a John Williams score, but it was you know a really big wow. And there wasn't that new wow bit in the soundtrack for me, but it was as you'd expect. It was good. You could almost preempt what was going to be played when. Yeah. I felt like I was almost orchestrating the soundtrack myself. You could you could just almost will it to do what you wanted it to do, and it delivered. Uh, yeah, agreed. I'm not a massive fan of John Williams because he can just be very predictable and bland. But when it comes to those classic melodies, he's pretty much the, the king, isn't he? And I've seen criticisms of the score saying, oh, I didn't even notice it. But surely that's a good thing. Mm. If a score's too overbearing... It can distract. The, the one bit of music that I did miss, when they walked into the bar in whichever planet it was, I'd have really loved it to have been the Cantina band from Moss Eisley playing oh, in there. That, that would, would have been just, too much. That would have been great if that was just going on in the background there. That would have been that would have been brilliant. And John Williams has always was, was was on form, but like I said, it wasn't that one iconic new part of the the soundtrack for this film. Because also. Me, uh, JJ only ever worked with the same composer up until this one, hasn't he? He only ever uses that one guy uh, whose name escapes me at the moment. But yeah, so this was his first. I think Michael G- Giacomo, is it? The, the comp- I yeah. don't know, mate. I mean, before we go on to spoiler alert, a couple of other things. First of all, the film's funny. Yes. I mean, yeah. you, you worry with films like this because it's not a comedy film. So you sometimes worry, if you go back to the prequels, I hate going back to the prequels to slag them off, but that's what they're there for, I suppose, now. But there was obviously an intention from George Lucas making those to make them funnier, to have comic relief characters or comedy characters like Jar Jar Binks. And it just fell flat a lot of the time in that. But the comedy in this just works. I, I agree. I think that's down to a good combination of the actors, the, the writer and, and, and JJ's directing. But definitely go and see it. Yeah. That's what you need to do. Go and see it. Everyone needs to see this, and everyone I mean, pretty much we, will. We we know a couple of people. I mean, Brooker, for example, somehow he got into the London premiere. I didn't even realise no. he was going to the premiere no, yesterday. No, he just sort of said, oh, I just thought he was going to see the film. Then he just said, yeah, do you want, my, do you want our free tat? Because we don't like Star Wars. Yeah, that's we've got that in writing, haven't yes, we, Steve? Yes, and I'm hoping that we're going to get some quite cool stuff out of that. Love you, Brooker. Yeah. Um, he was telling us in the run-up, I think, oh, exaggerating a bit, but how much he doesn't like Star Wars. He's watching them yes. back, doesn't doesn't like them, doesn't get them. Now, I think there's there's a lot of people who don't like Star Wars who didn't see them at the right time, perhaps didn't see them growing up or when they were younger and kind of watched them as a, a cynical adult. And thought, uh, I think you've got to see them. But anyway, you know, he went, he came out of The Force Awakens and said, no, it, it's good, I liked it. If you like Star Wars, you'll love it. He's nailed it. Yeah. There's some bits that if you've never seen a Star Wars film before, you probably won't get, but it it does kind of work as well as a as a as an introduction to the to a franchise and go back and watch the rest of them from there. Yep, I agree. Agreed. But I don't know if I've made it. It probably will pop up in the spoilers, but I I think the way the two of you are talking, I don't think I loved it quite as much as the two of you did. I thought it was brilliant. I I just think you know I haven't stopped thinking about the film all day. Just thinking that's just I'm going again with. My, I partly went to see it last night when I did, partly because I needed to see it for the podcast, and partly because I knew that I couldn't avoid spoilers exactly. until I did see it. But my dad wants to go again on Monday. He took me to see the original one. So I'm going to go with him on Monday, and, and I'm more than happy to go and see it again so close to have seen it. 
that was my thinking. I thought you have to see it as soon as possible because yeah. in this day and age, you've only got to look at Facebook and it will be yeah. spoiled. My, my, oh, there's so many spoilers yeah. available in this film. It's brutal. My, my brother, like, he messaged me this morning on Facebook and said, oh, was it any good? I just messaged him back, Darth Vader's Luke Skywalker's father. <laughs> <laughs> he, te- he messaged me back and said, what are you talking about? He said, You're a dickhead. <laughs> Time now for spoiler alert, a section where, of the podcast where we talk about the film in detail, including plot spoilers, um, potential spoilers for future films in the franchise. If you haven't seen the film, do not listen to this bit. If you, if you do... And we spoiled a film for you. It's your own fault. We've just given you a big warning. Do not listen any further. The film will be ruined for you. Yes, yes Matt yes, Lamborn. Matt Lamborn. The Failed Critics Podcast is presented by Steve Norman and Owen Hughes, created by James Diamond, with original music provided by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com, remixed by James Yule of JamesYule.com. You can find us at failedcritics.com, on Twitter at failedcritics, and Facebook at facebook.com forward slash failedcritics. Thanks for listening. Where do we want to start? Well, just talking about the, what goes on in the first act is kind of spoilery isn't it because well it's also a criticism because we are looking at and you mentioned it earlier steve those many nods to the original trilogy yeah so in that first act we get there's so many uh, nods to the original trilogy you're gonna get a bad neck right i've (laughs) I've actually listed all the ones that i could note and i've got 20 right okay may may not make well most some of them are made some of them minor but either nods to the original or effectively what J.J. Abrams has done is, is done a mega yeah. mix. Um, it's almost like he's got some dice written down character names, a ship, a weapon, a location, and just kept rolling them and thought, oh, that's if, a good if, idea. Like, if, if this was a CD, it would be, now, yep. that, now that's what I call Star Wars. It the, the best of Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah. Is yes. the best of stuff. And this isn't diminishing the film in any way. This is very much been a compliment. No. Although it sounds like I we're think... chipping away at it a bit. Well, no, we, well, it is a criticism and we are chipping away. But the, I think because the, the prequels were so bad and uh, are now so much maligned, they needed to almost kind of give you a... This is like a what happened previously, but also a new film yeah. for yeah. two and a quarter hours to, to reinvigorate kind of remind you what was good about the originals and set it up hopefully for the next you know however many films after will be completely new material yeah so out of those did you say you had 20 things yeah so yeah. The, the, the main thing for me was that i wrote down was just the very fact that the opening third includes a plot where some important information is placed inside the droid that that droid yep, that ends up on a desert planet ends up getting lost and is found, yep. and that's that's the first what half an hour, and that's yep. the first half hour of Star Wars: A New Hope. Yeah, and is found by someone who is strong in the Force but doesn't know it. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> when you start, you could almost sort of chain the whole thing 
in in a line together. But I mean, let's let, let's kind of so you've got this stuff on the desert planet. Fast forward to there. Amazingly, like all the Star Wars films, there are very happy coincidences. So, for example, you know, they find the Millennium Falcon just sitting there out of the blue. That, that was one of the funny moments, wasn't it? They're running away from it with different <laughs> ships. Yeah. And Finn says, what about that one? No, it's a heap of junk. And then the other ship gets blown up, so they don't have a choice but to go to the Millennium Falcon. That, that was a yeah. very good bit. Yeah. But then seeing that, seeing that take off is just, oh, that's oh, magic. Awesome. Yeah. But so contrived and ridiculous. <laughs> and then ten minutes later... They, you know, they're boarded, and oh no! Look, it's 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 Han and Chewie yeah. who've been supposedly looking for this ship for all this amount back of time. I like the fact they've gone back to being <laughs> smugglers, though. But presumably, the reason why they found the Falcon so quickly was probably because it hadn't been activated for such a long time. So as soon as it's out in orbit and it's flying around, presumably Han had some sort of tracking device to track it down, which is why he was able to find it so quickly. I, I, I don't know, it might have been explained. Well, he, it did seem to like he had an idea where it was because he said to, to Ray, didn't he, oh, did you get it from so-and-so? And she yes. said no. He got it from yeah. Thingy, who got it from Thingy, got it from somebody else. And yeah. That, yeah. So he did have an idea of where it was. But you're right, they did they went, turn up pretty, went, pretty well, yeah, sharpish. Like, yeah. yeah, pretty yeah. sharpish. Yeah. And then when they're when they're in the Falcon, the guy sits in the in the in the sort of laser bit, shooting the Tie Fighters, and starts cheering when he gets mm-hmm. one. Very reminiscent of uh, Luke. the chessboard yeah. made an appearance, which was great. Yeah, chessboard. Yep, I've got that on my list. There's a trash compactor joke in yeah. that bit. Uh, hmm. What else have we got here? Obviously, there's a Death Star. Star Killer Base. Yeah. In fact, they, Star Killer Base, which is destroyed by flying inside it after the shields have been taken yeah. down. That's a very original idea. Uh, The whole crew sneak on board an Imperial ship to do a rescue. Mind you, actually, going back to the point I just made, that that the first Death Star didn't have a shield. Not only did it have a a pretty obvious weak point, it didn't have a shield. The second Death Star had a shield that had to be taken out while they could fly into it, but the first one didn't, and that just seems like a design flaw. It doesn't get brought up enough. Maybe they hadn't thought of it back in 1970, whenever. Yeah, but anyway... But yeah, it was, it, it was the Starkiller base was destroyed by Rebel pilots flying into it and blowing it up from the inside. Going yep. back to Rebel pilots, another one, Fat Pilot. I hope. Yep. He... Oh, he was the guy. Wasn't that the Heroes. guy from um, yeah. Heroes? I yes. Hope... So it was. Yeah. I hope he's. I hope he's talking son. <laughs> <laughs> the the overarching sort of theme of this is searching for a hermit. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. True, and the, the 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 baddie is a who was a a Jedi who was trained but turned. Yeah, yeah. Where's the mask? The main protagonist has a has a dream sequence. Remember where she sees some dark things? Yeah, yeah when she's in the cellar uh-huh. of the bar, yeah. we have the bar, the cantina, yeah. the uh, interrogation chair, chair where Poe's mm-hmm. there, the one that Leia was in. Yeah, Jedi yeah. mind tricks. Yep. The main kind of villain appearing by hologram. Yeah. Yeah, there's, th- this list keeps going, mate. You can tell yeah. where we're going with this. But but this should, on paper, be a disaster. But it's not. Like Leicester City. <laughs> this is... Yeah, episode 7 is yeah. Leicester it City. Shouldn't, it shouldn't work. Everyone should be a bit bored of it. And the parts shouldn't quite work together. But somehow, it's top of the league. And no mm-hmm. one knows how it doesn't matter because it's brilliant. I don't really get football analogies, so I'll compare it to the Fall, the, the amazing right. band, in that it's 
completely different, but also somehow exactly the same. So it, it's different enough, all those, all those similarities that we've gone through. But yeah, they're done just well enough to be completely different and feeling fresh. So, so and and I need to do the main. Come on, let's yeah. get to the main spoiler. You've got two lead characters having a confrontation, and one of them meets a you know meets his end via a lightsaber. That that bit reminiscent of um, Vader and Obi Wan. Yeah, and you got someone being someone's parent finding yep. out on Again. a platform. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It is weird that all of this stuff should be pulling you out of the film, but why didn't it? I I can't. Because it was because it was like they said it was it was the same enough it was the same enough and different enough at the same time to be good. It wasn't too different and it wasn't too much the same. It may be. Maybe it cuts back to the point I made earlier that you needed to kind of to remind people of all the good stuff yeah. before we move on to the next the next films. Yeah. Because all of these things, although they've been copied, they were all good. They were all the bits that I love to remember. If someone gets frozen in carbonite in the next film, he's taken it a bit too far. Yeah, that's going to be too far. <laughs> <laughs> there are rumours that Lando is going to be in the next one. Well, see, I, think, really? I don't have a problem with that. I like Lando. I love Lando. Mm. He's, he's cool. Did you think some of the... I mean, we talked about the age earlier. They ain't aged well, have they? I mean, they, these are not young people anymore the original cast no harrison ford has wait he's a lot older bearing in mind they've tied him up because he's in a film and he still looks really fucking old i thought luke looked good though yes he did he looked he looked like he's seen some shit (laughs) yes he's seen some things how long do you reckon it took him to learn the lines (laughs) (laughs) easiest paycheck he's ever had oh do you, think, oh, do you know what it made me laugh? Because obviously I saw, I did actually see some of the um, uh, the build-up. They did the Star Wars experience and stuff, where they came on stage and they spoke about the film and how great it was to be back, and 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 that kind of stayed with me. So I assumed he was in the film. Yeah. So there's, there's, but he ain't in it, he is, is he? No. But let's let's talk about what Luke's been up to then. So so what we learn is that Luke. We learn this in the opening crawl. Luke is missing. Nobody's seen mm-hmm. him for years. We then learn from Han that after they defeated the Emperor and, Pal- uh, and, and Vader, he started to train his own school of Jedis, trying to restart yep. the Jedi Order. One of which was, another spoiler now, doesn't matter, spoiler it, was Han and Leia's son, uh, who was called Ben, uh, who is now yep. Kylo Ren. He probably manipulated by Snokes at some point. We don't really know anything about Snokes other than that he is in charge of the, the First Order at the moment. But Kylo Ren, or Ben, killed all the other apprentices to Luke and, and turned to the dark side. And Luke, because of that, has now gone missing and is apparently trying to search out the first ever Jedi Temple. For, for, whatever, well, for reasons the, we don't in know. The expanded, in the Expanded Universe books... Which we have to um, probably make clear now that... aren't canon now. No, but Luke does do that. He does. He run, he goes off and he runs an academy and he trains all these these, these young Jedi and stuff. So, but that kind of confused me because I was just before going into it, I read that all of that stuff is now defunct and they're not going to draw upon it. Yeah, and then immediately draw. Well, upon I mean, it. you say draw upon it, but it's not a completely unoriginal idea or a stupid thought that Luke would, once Vader and the Emperor are gone, try and train more Jedi. Yeah, it's I guess not, so. It's not the most stupid conclusion to come to that he would he would 
naturally try and do that um, or recreate the Jedi Order in, in his own way or whatever. Well, I've never been a big fan of expanded universes, and to me, it, the only things that count are things that are in films, really. So anything that's in a book, I didn't care about. But am I right in thinking that did Chewbacca die in one of the books? He did. And therefore, as soon as they announced that he was back, all those books were discounted as canon. Yeah. Well, well, as soon as Disney bought Star Wars, they said, no, none of that's canon. All that's canon is the films. Yeah. The, 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 the six films out plus the films we're doing. The Clone Wars TV show, because... Even though Lucasfilm had done a few series, uh, Disney did a couple after they took it on, and the new Star Wars Rebels show, plus the comics, the Marvel comics that we're doing, and a couple of the novels that we're doing as well. Any any computer games released prior to that, any TV shows, any books, magazines, yeah. whatever, is, is not part of the okay. continuity anymore. And thank God J.J. Abrams didn't introduce time trap into this, because <laughs> I if he did that, <laughs> an alternative timelines. Oh, that that's how we're going to get Ham back. Well, yeah. Yes. But that's, yeah, so that's what Luke's up to, and we, uh, it's, we can't even really speculate on why he's doing it, can we? No. The other thing, the big question there is who the um, Daisy Ridley character, who... What's her provenance? Where's she come from? Who are her parents? Well, yeah, I mean, but I mean, obviously, we we found out that Kylo Ren's parents are Luke, uh, Han, and Han and Leia. Could have been Luke and Leia, I suppose. Couldn't it go in, the, by in the books? They have a boy and yeah. a girl, Han and Leia. So is she, is she the sister? Well, I mean, she could she could be no. Everyone's saying, oh, she's got to be somebody's child, but she doesn't. Have, well, she obviously is somebody's child, but she doesn't have to be any of the main. She could just be completely new character. Mm-hmm. Um, what what did happen in the build-up from what I read was that um, J.J. Abrams deliberately said they were not giving Finn and Ray's character surnames. Well, it turns out Finn was just a uh, not a, he wasn't a clone. He was he was stolen at birth by the First Order to be a stormtrooper. But he was assigned a number FN whatever whatever whatever. Poe names him Finn. Finn, yeah. And Ray Ray has sees. If she is Luke or Leia and Han's child, you can't work out why she's been abandoned on Jakku because there's no she she's she doesn't because her brother if it is her brother or whoever he is you know, Kylo Ren Ben he he's been trained as an adult and turned as an adult to the dark side so if she had been put into hiding she would have done that as an adult and known who her parents were because her parents obviously took after took up looking after them so she's obviously if she has been hidden she's been hidden as a child and you haven't got a clue why that's been done if if ben kylo ren was was not hidden away as a child so i i just think she's a completely new character and and, and not linked to anyone because it, it, or else she'd know who they were because there was no reason for her to be put into hiding if if kylo ren's character wasn't put into hiding as a child yeah i don't buy her being the sister of Kylo Ren. I think, if anything, they, she could be cousin. She could be Luke's daughter, which then, of course, asks the question: Well, who's the mother? Well, he's a bit of a player, that. Well, <laughs> well in the old Jedi Order, it's why Anakin turned. You weren't allowed to be shagging around, were you? You weren't allowed to have, oh, yeah. you know, have be in love and have girlfriends and all that kind of stuff. Maybe Luke seemed well. That's probably not quite right. Uh, but then, yeah, who's the mother? Um, but going back to Kylo Ren, 
and, and hand beings that obviously got hands hands death. I had sweaty palms during that bit. It was just it was oh, it was a good so scene, though, wasn't it? Because, yeah, it was. because obviously earlier on in the film, it was quite a good, interesting contrast for a Star Wars film because most of the time you have people on the light side turning to the dark, and that's their conflict. You know, Anakin going to the dark side. It's the conflict is oh, we're good, but I'm turning to the dark side. This one, he's very conflicted. as he's dark side, but being turned back to the light or being turning to the light, and that's his conflict. He doesn't want to. He's struggling with that, and you can see that when, you know, when Han confronts him, and he's almost got him to turn back. You can see that you can yeah. very much go back to, to Return of the Jedi and quote that. You can see good in him. Yeah. He, he, there's obviously a big part of him. Who knows how this will play out in future films? There's a big part of him who wants to come back to the light side, wants his parents' love or respect, wants to be good and do good things. But he, he either thinks he's too far gone now or, also, or possibly also thinks that doing what he's doing in the dark side is also the right way to do things. He obviously worships Darth Vader, his granddad. He obviously absolutely worships him. Well, you see the, the, the kind of melted helmet there, don't yeah. you? That he's still kind of not praying to, but talking yeah. to, and presumably Kylo Ren doesn't know that in the last minutes of his life he did redeem himself and he did save Luke and he no. did kill the Emperor. Presumably that that Luke well, must have kept that to himself. Yeah, which which, which is a strange, seems strange, but you know. but yeah, he obviously he's he's obviously about to turn back. He's, he's given his lightsaber to his dad, or he's about to, and then something changes. I mean, it goes dark. This is probably quite symbolic, but you know, something changes and he kills his kills his own dad and then takes a shot from Chewie. You just go nuts. Can I say actually, I I I predicted Han's death about probably about five ten minutes before it actually happened. Just there was a moment when he said to Chewie, "Let's split up. You go up there, I'll go down there." And I just had a feeling. I got a bad feeling about this. I just yeah. thought that's it. Then we're never going to see Han and Chewie on screen together mm. again. I don't know whether I've just become attuned to the way filmmaking works, and you pick up on these these little beats within the story. I, I thought it'd be Chewie that that brought the brought the bullet in yeah. this one. Um, you could see Han was hobbling because he broke his ankle right. during filming, yeah. didn't he? And when he was running, I, you could actually see oh. he was limping. And I, do you know what? He, he went out in a blaze of glory. He had a lot of screen yeah. time. And he's, he's had a decent send-off. But, but just briefly going back to Kylo Ren and, and Adam Driver, I thought Adam Driver was superb in that role, and I think he, he was really? by far the most interesting character because of the conflict, uh, you know, his conviction. Yeah. And, and he's just kind of... Darth Vader, in the, he always seemed quite in control from what we saw in the films of his emotion. So if something yeah. was, was going wrong he was still quite controlled it was it yeah. was manic it was evil he would choke people it was always quite controlled when things would go wrong for kylo ren he was wrecking up the yes wrecking up the place he was slashing up the room and yeah. and everything you know kicking off and causing all kinds of fuss so maybe um, more of a hint towards the um the anakin of attack of the clones his yeah that that's more of mm. him coming through but yeah in, in snokes we know nothing about snokes we know nothing about the Knights of the Knights of Ren, which is obviously what Kylo Ren is part of, and and Snoke's and where he comes into it. They're not Sith, or else they'd call themselves Sith or Darth or whatever. They're not part. Of... Do you think we're going to get an origin story? I don't think we will. It's not. It's not a spin-off that's been rumored. There's been lots of spin-off rumors. You've obviously got Rogue One, which is which is out next year, which which 
I think is going to be brilliant. It's obviously a film about plans to steal the Death Star plans. And, and that it seems like it's going to be a heist movie set in space, which should just be a lot of fun. They've been talking about Obi, you know, Obi-Wan Kenobi spin-offs, either set what he's doing between um, Revenge of the Sith and The New Hope, or young Han Solo movies, um, or a film about Boba Fett and Bounty Hunters. But they've not really mentioned one kind of about an origin story for, for Snokes or anything yet. Um, it will be explained, obviously it's got to be explained, perhaps in episode eight, but... What did we think of the character at the very beginning, played by Max von Sydow? Because <laughs> yeah. when he when it was announced that he was going to be in it, we just, I don't know about you, I assumed ah he's going to be the bad guy because he he's one of those great actors that's got gravitas. Well, fr- and... From from what I'd seen and what I'd heard, I thought he was the person who'd be looking after Ray. He was the person who Ray had been given custody of or custody to. He was Ray's guardian, which wasn't the case at all. No. His his character name, if you look on IMDb or whatever, his character name isn't one we're familiar with. So we just assume that he's someone we don't know from other films who just, but he happened to be a friend of of Leia's because he said, you know, I consider her royalty and he's obviously been put in a position of trust by Leia um, yes. and he's got the plans or the map to Luke. And he recognised Kylo Ren as well, he mentioned. Yeah, and he said, yeah. you know, I know your fa- basically I know your family, I know what you're about and all that kind of stuff. But he doesn't, based on what you read of his character name, he's not anyone that we've, we've seen before. Um the only way that works out, if he's going under an alias, but he was killed off so soon, I doubt very much he was. But again, I think we might see more of him in some sort of prequel or yeah. spin-off story. Yeah. It wasn't a huge cast, to be fair, was it? It wasn't well, it, it, outside of the... It, no. I suppose the biggest names they brought in from from outside the the, the, the main, you know, the, the old cast, who were probably only big names because of the original films, was probably either Max von Sydow or... Um, Oscar Isaacs. Or Circus, but he's he's, he's not, his face isn't on screen, his face is very rarely on screen, so while, yes, he's a a big actor and done lots of big films, you probably don't reckon, a lot of people won't recognise him. You know the big, you know the biggest name in Force Awakens was? Simon Pegg? Well, Daniel Daniel Craig. (laughs) He plays a stormtrooper. I think they say he's the one who uh, um, Ray uses her when she's on the chair and she uses her yeah. Jedi powers to get the Stormtrooper to un- undo her and leave and leave the door open. That, that was that was a good scene, wasn't it? That was, yeah. Saying, it to, I'm just going to tighten these restraints. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. and, leave, and leave your blaster on the floor. I'll <laughs> leave my blaster on the floor. What, what did you think about the, uh, you know, the female kind of lead Stormtrooper in the silver? Yeah. Phasma? It was just—it was just such a nothing character. There was nothing. But, I mean, fe- but was that shoehorned in there just to kind of, you know, you have the kind of, you know, we need more strong female characters yeah. in films brigade. I don't. Who, I don't. I don't. Who send out death threats if they're not happy? I don't think so. I think perhaps maybe there's more scenes on the cutting room floor that involved her, or maybe they're going to expand on her in future films. Um, but it was just an underwritten role in this one. But I don't think it was any kind of tokenism that they were in there. I think we'll see more of her because they did build that character up. Yeah. And also, I think something else that would be on the cutting room floor is something that Paul mentioned earlier is about how Poe Dameron got off the planet after after the Tie Fighter crashes. Yes. And, yeah. I mentioned this earlier. He suddenly reappears. I'm yeah. fine. Is and I thought I wonder if he's like a clone that they've planted there. 
because he he looked we thought he was dead and then he reappears with no explanation I thought I think that's just a plot device really to get Finn involved more in what was going on because um, he you know he explained it oh I woke up at I woke up at night and I couldn't find you and I went off to whatever and but yeah I don't know they don't normally leave these they don't do you know there's always a reason for something happening any any other big plot spoilers we yeah. want to it's not so much a spoiler, but it is a specific moment which I wasn't very keen on. It was shortly after Han and Chewie are introduced, or they come back into it. Those big CGI monster things that yeah. run amok on the ship, I didn't like that bit at all. Pointless, it yeah. It didn't add anything to the story. It reminded me of something, like, something out of Firefly or Red the Wolf. Yeah. It was almost like that was in lieu of the trash yeah. compactor scene. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, any other kind of big, big plot spoilers that we can? Mate, I think we've completely what, ripped what, what every was, single. What was, what was your what was, what was your funniest moment of the film? Because it was a lot of jokes. We couldn't really go for in a normal review because it would ruin things. I love the bit where Kylo Ren's tearing up that room and those two stormtroopers walk around the corner, <laughs> yes, it, very good. hesitate and turn around and walk off again. Yeah. Do you know what? I think you might have nailed that one because I I was at really really yeah. laughing. Or, or there's that scene where they just I think it's they're just flying off of Jakku in the in the Millennium Falcon and it's it's Finn, Ray, and, and BB-8 and he's kind of and she's like I want to go back there. He's like Why do you want to go back there? Why are you going back? Because you got a boyfriend back there. Why do you want to go back? <laughs> and then he does the little thumbs up thing with BB-8. <gasps> yes. Do you know what we haven't mentioned R2D2 and C3PO? Well, they were barely. C3PO yeah. was. Was quite because he'd done two things really that made me laugh. It's first when he was going to call her, call Princess Leia Princess, and then change it to sorry General, and then when she said some Princess Leia said something or General Leia said something, and he looked at one of the other characters, I can't remember which one, just went Princesses, <laughs> like in a <laughs> kind of like ah oh, Princesses kind of way. Why has he got a red well, arm? Is this going to be? Is this going to be a callback? He, he said didn't he, to Han. Oh, you probably don't recognise me because of my red arm. <laughs> oh, red arm. <laughs> he's just like, oh, for God's sake, it's you again. Yeah, they're gonna. That's gonna be a callback in another film, yeah. isn't it? Definitely, an absolute. Someone's gone to the trouble to give him a red arm, put it in the script. It may be in one of the other films or whatever. That that is going to come back. Yeah, I, I was happy with their appearances because they they didn't out, outstay their welcome. They were in it just the right amount, to be honest. Three PO because yeah. we had. Was it BB-8 as the... Uh, was, was was fine. Fine. Essentially, them, yeah. them two are comic relief, R2-D2 and C-3PO. Yeah. All right, they yeah. do, do a point to, uh, bits to have... They progress the plot a bit, but they're, they're the comic relief, and, and that's what BB-8 was. And he and he was he was good. He was he was quite cool. I did have concerns that he'd be too annoying, too cutesy, too much like uh, Wally. But no, he, he was fine. Like you said, that, the thumbs-up bit was great. And he's got... I think after Jar Jar Binks, they've they've learned yeah. their lesson yeah. on, on how much and and how well, far to go. Well, Abrams did joke, didn't he, to start with that he was going to have a scene killing off Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think Again, that would have been I too think much. there was also a bit that yeah, I just wonder if we're going to see anything from the prequels at all, or if they're going to completely some there, some people have theorised that eventually the idea will be they go back and rewrite the prequels themselves. They wait for George Lucas to kick the bucket. Oh, that's going to be a long time, though, isn't it? <laughs> we'll look at another thirty odd years, and then and then go right. We're going to just redo the prequels because they were awful. We're just going to do something good with them. 
Well, there was one little reference to the prequels, and Kylo Ren mentioned clones, didn't he? Because after Finn oh, escaped, the, yeah, he, the just, clo- yeah. he just said something along the lines of, oh, I, I told you clones were better. And I thought, yeah. perfect, they've, they've, they've answered so many questions with just yeah. that one throwaway line. Yeah. The only other thing I had to mention was just the... the and I know it's a fantasy film, it's a science fiction film, it's absolute nonsense, but the science of stealing energy from the sun... To, 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 pow- to power the star killer I don't know I, obviously you've got to let it go it's you? not a documentary I think I probably will let it go because it yeah, was just it was mildly irritating and I immediately forgot it so well they they let the weapon being called a star killer go during the script reading so I think we're yeah. gonna have to it, too. It, it made it made more sense than midichlorians it did point. yes yeah thanks for everyone who's listened to this Hopefully you've enjoyed the podcast and the film as much as we have. And, you know, there's a, my reviews on the website. There's more stuff. You can vote for the Fail Critics Awards. Now Star Wars out. Um, if that's going to make your top ten, it's all at failedcritics.com. Or you can tweet us all um, at Failed Critics. Um, and you can probably find our individual accounts off of that one as well. If you want to tweet us about the film or anything in general, really. Anything to plug, Dave? Um, no. Uh, uh, um, Mad, Mad Max was better, but... <laughs> no, oh dear please don't let that be the episode title <laughs> hey it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad high quality fashion without the price tag say hello to Quince I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters sleek leather jackets fine jewelry and so much more with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands and they partner with factories that prioritize safe ethical and responsible manufacturing I love that luxury quality within reach go to quince.com/style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order quince.com/style <laughs> 